Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Gonna try out something new today. Something that I've thought about doing now for a little bit, but now finally presented itself in a, in a pretty easy opportunity. So we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna walk. We're gonna take a look at the, a text in the Bible. We're gonna walk through it and see see what lessons we pull out. Now, before I. Uh, before you're like, oh boy, Bible talk, and turn this off, I would just say, just give it a chance, because even if you fall into the camp of like, you know, say like, hey, I'm not, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian, or <clears throat> whatever, I would just pause and hold off and say that there are valuable things to be found within the Christian faith, even if you don't call yourself a believer in it, per se, you know, or a follower of Christ, whatever you want to say. And this is one in particular that I think the world, especially today, could could value from. So I actually was charged with leading our Sunday school class um, or group this last, well, I guess yesterday at this point. And uh, I wanted to post this on Sunday, but I wasn't able to. I had some other things and time got away from me and I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not not going to be able to do this, but we're, uh, we're actually going to dive in and, uh, we're just going to, we're just going to walk through the scripture. So walk through a little lesson. It's something I've thought about doing, you know, kind of not really a devotional, but more so just walking through some texts. And uh, I think, uh, you know, being kind of more upfront and bold with, uh, with my faith personally. And I'm even, you know, thinking about working around some episodes of, of, of having some testimonials on here and things like that. But just to just to keep mixing it up, you know, you always gonna be trying new stuff. So today we are going to be walking through Luke six twenty seven through thirty eight. We're walking through Luke right now, and this is the portion that I, uh, you know, got to lead on. I don't really like to say teach because I don't feel like I was out here saying anything revolutionary. I was really just letting the text work for itself, and that's one thing I will say. So. If you're into, I don't know, maybe a deeper dive or a slightly altered perspective on the Bible, uh, specifically the text, and, and learning learning the new perspective about about, it, I would recommend the Bema podcast. B e m a, Bema. They have shoot, they're on like season six now, technically. So they've been going for six years or so, but they walk through the text, so it's kind of it's not necessarily. Like, oh, they're going to be talking about stuff relevant six years ago. No, not really. But it's really cool. It's uh, this guy named Marty Solomon and Brent Billings, and they uh, Marty kind of walks you through it. He's uh, don't really know how to describe him. He's a Christian. He's a follower of Christ, yet he has Jewish roots and is very plugged in to the Jewishness of the Bible itself because – Quick little tangent here before we jump into the lesson. Gotta love it. They, you know, something that I never really thought about is how westernized we really are. You know, we obviously are in the western world, but that even goes back to, you know, the ancient Greeks and Romans. And, and that's kind of the foundational ideals that now the western modern world is built upon. And the Bible was actually kind of predates those, or at least in, in the New Testament is kind of walking alongside those. But the Bible predominantly is a Middle Eastern or Eastern uh, book written 
by, you know, Jew, written to an ancient Jewish audience, primarily, especially in the Old Testament. That's who it follows is the people of Israel. And it's just one of those things that I really thought about is that, like, there's a, you know, there's there's a Western way of doing things and then there's an Eastern way. And so there are things that when we when we only take when we take our Western perspective or put on, you know, think of them like glasses, right? Like reading glasses, we put on our Western Reading glasses, that sounds kind of funny. I, th- I think like old Western, no, you know, like good, bad, and the ugly Clint Eastwood, but not like that. But, you know, our Western lenses on and we're reading this Eastern text. Yes, I'm not sitting here saying like there's anything heretical that we we look at or we look at totally wrong. I'm simply saying there is there is more to the story um, than, than we know, especially in terms of literary techniques, the rabbinical world and certain things. Like one, one quick example is I never really, I don't know, I guess I, I never really cared for or understood why there were these long drawn out genealogies in the Bible. I was like, none of this means anything to me. I don't know who any of these people are. Well, come to find out through the Baymont podcast that genealogies are actually going to be an Eastern or a Jewish audience's favorite part about reading it because of the cultural implications it has and the part it, the, the, um, dominant role it plays in like an Eastern text like this. And so I've come to appreciate that a lot more because there's actually certain things that, that tell their own story within the genealogy and how they're written and who exactly is listed in there. And you can dive into it. So cool, cool, cool stuff. Um, very interesting stuff. Nothing that, I'd say it, there are there are some challenging aspects to it, but it's not one of those things where it's like I'm I'm I don't know I'm totally rethinking my faith. I'm not sitting here saying you know the modern Christian church is getting it totally wrong. I think it's more of a, a supplementation to. I think of it like this: like I'm looking out I'm looking out a window, and I can only see you know I can only see what's in front of this window, but then. When I what this does is it actually pulls the curtain back further to show me that the window is actually twice as wide, and I can see, you know, if, say I'm looking at a yard, right? I can only see half the yard now. I I'm starting to be able to see more of the yard and understand, and and how that changes my understanding of the landscape. What I was looking at was there, but now there's more to it that I can see, and I it, it's it shapes it slightly different, and and, and you know it makes me appreciate it. In, in different ways, but I think that's enough uh, babbling on about about general overviews. We're here, we're here to, to look at some text, all right? So now, I think this is actually panning out to be one of the most, what I would call the one of the most difficult texts or charges uh, in the Bible, especially for us Christians, and it's one that I fail at profusely. So that's uh, that's another thing, you know, that's uh, always hard to grapple with is when you start looking at these, a lot of times it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you no, know, Christianity, Christianity doesn't live out, live out to like this at all or to these expectations. And, you know, we have to remember that we're imperfect. We are we are imperfect. The church is built by imperfect people who are no better or worse than those uh, non-believers. And we see some of that played out in this specific text, but we'll go ahead and jump into it. So it's Luke 6, 27 through 38. And the first subtitle is loving your enemies. Something that if you are, you know, if you've been in the Christian world at all, it's something that you are familiar with and you've heard a bunch of times. And here, we're just going to walk through it and 
you know, see what fleshes, see what we can flesh out here. And it may not be something new, but it's one of those things where, you know, being a Christian is a, is a practice. It's not a one and done. And, you know, I've, I've heard it all before because you you end up finding new things or just hearing something again, something new will, will show its way out. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to me when I think about how uh, we have books that are this old and still so relevant and still so finding, you know, bringing us, bringing us knowledge, wisdom, this, that, and the other. Like, you're just, you can keep pulling stuff out. It's funny. And we'll see that here, too, where there was culturally relevant for them 2,000 years ago. And it's still, I would, just as culturally relevant, if not more, today. So we're going to, we're just going to read through all the verses. If you're able to, I'd recommend pulling out your Bible. I'm reading out of the ESV and follow along. And then we'll go back and kind of break it down piece by piece. So starting in 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so that is just jam-packed. And if you're just listening and not able to follow along, you probably got lost in the sauce somewhere in there. There's so much there, but we see... Uh, so we're going we're gonna to break it down. It kind of falls into three sections, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it falls into kind of three main sections. Uh, starting out, so we'll read... Well, you know, the first section is kind of 27 to 31, which starts with, you know, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And it ends with, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them, which is the golden rule, which we're all familiar with. But kind of looking at it verse by verse uh, and then providing some context. This is Jesus is talking to a large mass of people on what is described as a level place. So we think he's somewhere, he's just on a plane and in earlier, not like on a plane flying, but like a plane in terms of the land. Don't get, don't get it twisted. He's on a plane. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, he is Jesus, so he could just put everybody on a plane in, you know, 80, 33, 32 or whenever this was, but he, he, he leads it off by saying, you know, he starts out bold. He kind of comes, he comes out front and he just says it, which a lot of times you don't get from Jesus in the Bible. You get parables, you get, you know, responding to questions, but here we see him kind of just very upfront and bold with it, you know, but I say to you who hear anyone who would listen, love your enemies and do the, do good to those who hate you. And one thing to note is that the, 
the the verb there, the word used for hate, it, it contains a sense of ongoing action. So not just like nowadays, you know, when I when I say I hate something, it's like, you know, I have a feeling of an extreme feeling of dislike towards that. And this one has more of a sense of action. So those who actively hate you in in such that, you know, they treat you bad, they treat you poorly. So I almost think of like a like someone, you know, someone who maybe bullies you, right? And one one quirky example I thought of is is how we can view this is Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Yeah, taking taking it a year back. Good old Tiger King, but you know, that's how he felt towards Carol, especially by, you know, the end of the series and towards the end of of his whole nonsense before he got arrested, you know, because he was trying to hire a hit on her. You look at how it devolved and it was just this absolute hatred. Everything he did was about bringing her down, was was an attack on her. And so it might be a little bit of an extreme version, but here, you know, when you see, you know, do good to those who hate you, that falls under that category, and that's kind of the the image that Jesus was building there. So he wasn't just saying do good to those who don't like you. He's saying do good to those that actively, you know, are seeking bad the bad outcomes for you, are actively actively you know seeking or trying to harm you, bring you down. And then he moves on to say, you know, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. And it's the same sort of thing when he talks about cursing and abusing you here is and well and then, and then on the positive side the bless. So I always think of when I always thought of bless, I always thought of like the, you know, classic like think TV scene and you know there's holy water and they're blessed they're you know they're, they're saying a blessing over you and and that's true for this, but it's more than that. You know, more than that kind of cliché stereotype that always pops up in my brain. It's it's a sense of just the opposite of what hate was, right? You're, you're wanting, seeking God's blessing on that person, on that person's life. And so you're, you're seeking that for someone who is cursing you. And it's, so it's a, it's a sense of ongoing action there. And then you pray for those who abuse you. Now, one real life example where we see this exact text, uh, quoted, well, actually we'll keep going before I get to that. And then it goes on to say, you know, the classic example of turning the other cheek to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also from one who takes away your cloak. Do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And then he ends with the golden rule. So one big note, when you kind of zoom out, when you, when you look at, you look at how this is broken down, you see it, you see it in threes, right? So you love your enemies, you do good to those hate, you put, um, no, sorry, that's not what I meant to get. Wrong thing. Who stick with me here. So it you know, you have the physical and you have with the, the physical attack, so to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer them the other also. And then one who takes away your cloak, so takes away your possessions, give them. And then it goes on to say, you know, give to everyone who begs from you, so openly giving. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And so we see at first, you know, I always thought, you know, he's just giving examples here. But then I, as I kind of take a closer look, it's, it's, if you want to back it up to 28, where it says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who who abuse you. It leads off with talking about almost, uh, 
if you want to say verbal or emotional or spiritual attack, you know, they're, they're cursing you. They're trying to put a curse on you. They're wishing harm upon you. And so that can be seen as kind of the, uh, I just say emotional or spiritual side of things. And then it goes on to the physical, attacking your physical body by hitting you on the cheek. And then it goes into your possessions, taking away your things, taking, taking something, and then we're called to not want it back. And then finally summing it up and say to expand this umbrella to everything. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So quick example of this being fleshed out in real life is I found this article. Oh geez. Who knows if if I'll be able to link to it, but it had some stories of what I would call radical forgiveness or loving your enemies. So to set the scene, you have Jermaine Tyler who is, uh, he's, he's on, he's 30, he was 31. He was on trial for murdering Leslie Shepard Dome, who's 37. And this is after he robbed her parents' home. And in, in the article, this is last September. So I'm assuming this is the, this is the following year then. So in the fall, he robbed her parents' home. And then the next year, the following year, sometime he murdered this girl. And so naturally, I mean, when you look at the situation, you step back, you say, what do you expect, right? The parents are heartbroken. They want him to get justice and, you know, the justice system is going to go to work. And that's, you know, that's how this plays out. Well, here's, here's a quote from the judge who presided over that case. That has to be the most gracious victim statement I've heard in this courtroom. And I'm not sure I'd be able to be as gracious as you are, ma'am. He's talking to the mother of Leslie. And that was at the conclusion of the trial because the parents' response was one that would I would say is shocking. So, and this is the victim's mother, Teresa. She t- reportedly told the court and Tyler that she and Leslie's father forgive him and love him. So the murder of their child, they forgive him and love him. Because Jesus commands that we love our enemy. The very text we're reading from. Even when her father and I were crying to the depths of our souls... Our first prayers were for the murderers, she said. That's powerful stuff. And the reason we'll pull that example is because here here what we see is we see in a very active and radical call by Jesus to those who would hear him that this is this is what discipleship of him looks like. And it's it's not just it it's it's this radical kind of countercultural response, right? Because you think in general, that's not the natural response to something like that. You know, someone, someone murders someone close to you or or harms someone close to you, you know, son, daughter, parent, whatever you are naturally. And what the world would say and what, what common sense would tell you is yes, you should, you should seek retribution. You should be upset. You should hate that person. And here, what we see is we see, we see some mercy or or even just some pity being brought upon them and saying, and seeing through that to see a troubled person. And ultimately this is what we can find kind of at the heart, not to spoil the rest of this text, but the heart of this message from, um, from his sermon on the plane is that, you know, he, he, he points back to looking through the, the bad actions in people to see the broken person at the center of it and to understand that all, everyone, everyone is broken. Everyone is, 
is deserving, equally deserving of God's grace and God's love, you know, just as it is given to you, the believer, the non-believer who has wronged you is just as deserving. And, you know, when there are actions directly against you, that is an opportunity to, to try and get to the heart of that and share that. So that's kind of, that's the first section though, is he, he comes out real hot and saying like, look, someone hits you. And now this doesn't, this doesn't necessarily mean looking at the commentary on this, they weren't necessarily, not to get it twisted, just to make some clarification. That doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't, there shouldn't be correction. You shouldn't speak up when you see something wrong or someone does something wrong, even against you, particularly between believers. This is more looking at it from the standpoint of they, they, they kind of take the, the jump of where some people have the view with this, that it's, you're suffering for being a believer for Christ's sake. So it's like someone hits you and it's directly related to the fact that like you follow Christ, you turn them the other cheek and not necessarily someone just hitting you say, um, your friend just hitting you and you, you, you know, not going and telling the teacher and being like, I'm turning the other cheek or something. You know, there, there's certain situations. And I mean, I even see that you think about it, right? If someone, if someone hits you, what's, what's the response? What, like, I've always thought like someone just punches me. Guess what? I'm going to swing back. I won't swing first. I will swing back. And that's what everyone believes. And everyone's okay with that. And here we see literally the total opposite of that. Now, what the example that I go to is like when someone's trying to get a rise, you, we know those people who try and get a rise out of someone, they do something on purpose and they're not, and you, you could respond and be right, be, you know, be correct you know, factually here, but guess what? They win because they're just playing a manipulative game to get a rise out of you. I know this because this happened to me a ton. Believe it or not, I used to have temper problems when I was younger and surprise, surprise, people would do that. People would manipulate things and push my, they knew how to push my buttons. And I eventually got a lot, lot better and kind of over it and kind of mellowed out and understood that like, look, I can't control what people do and learn to recognize those moments when people were just trying to get a rise out of me. And how do you, you know, how do you, combat that sort of uh, action. Well, generally you, what you don't do is get a, give them that rise they're looking for. You, you, you just respond with like, okay, or you just kind of ignore it. And then guess what happens? The moment, the moment goes, they realize, oh, they're not getting the response they want. And they move on. Like, it's kind of eerie. I don't know if you've ever done this or been in this situation, but I know I, I, I can't remember the specifics around the situation, but I just remember that, there have been times where someone someone comes up and they're trying to get a rise and I go, oh, they're just trying to get a rise. And I respond awkwardly or just totally opposite of what, if, if this, you know, of, of what you would expect, right? Someone says up, comes up and says something, you know, provocative to try and, you know, get me angry and, you know, your, your wife's ugly or something. And, um, and, you know, just, which would, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really care if they say that. I'm like, whatever. I think she's beautiful, so it doesn't matter. And maybe that's my response is like, well, she's beautiful to me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> or I or I'd say, well, she can kick your butt, so <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Like something like that. And people are like, what? And it's not the response you, you, you expect. Anyways, that's a botched uh, analogy. But same thing with someone who steals something from you. You know, we, we live in a time now where we live in such a materialistic world where it's like someone takes something from me. I expect it back. And, or I want, I want to get it back. I always think of taken, you know, his daughter gets taken and he's like, I'm going to go find her. I'm going to take her back. And not that that's a one-to-one comparison. Just the feeling is what I'm getting for when something 
you love or or have is taken from you kind of against your will. And here we see it is like, look, if someone's someone decides to rob you, just give them the next thing. And and what I see is that's a call to to keep you from focusing on uh, I lost this thing. Let's say like my briefcase, it's gone. I guess they say your jacket, give them your shirt, right? So you steal my jacket. And instead of being upset that you stole my jacket, I say, you must be in need. Here's my shirt also. And it's, and it's an unexpected response. Like think about it this way. If you were stealing someone's jacket and then they took off your shirt and said, here, take this too. If you, if you really need it, you must really need it. If you're doing that, I don't know. I feel like it would stop me in my tracks. Maybe not in the moment, but like, I would, I, I almost want to say that there would just be this guilt that comes along with it. Maybe, maybe in the moment, but maybe not really until after the fact. And you think about like, that's, that's not how people are supposed to respond to that. That is totally, totally counter instinctual to how you would respond to that. And what this, and so there's, there's one obvious effect of doing that is that radical, um, radically different response, but then also you look at it from this point, from the person who is having the thing taken, what this does is it shifts the focus from the fact that someone is doing a wrong to you and to the fact, seeing through that to the core and saying, this is a person who is hurting, right? Someone who, it, someone who is acting this way is lost or hurting in some way, shape or form. And this is, it's almost seen, you know, as in like why some kids, you know, act out. It's because they don't get enough attention at home or something like that. And so they, they feel like they have to act out to get attention because their parents don't, don't pay them mind. So they act out in class. It's kind of like that, you know, it's almost like a, a cry for help in some ways. And this allows us to see it. And then instead of getting angry and upset and being resentful for this person, you now have some compassion for this person. And it totally shifts your mindset. And I mean, this is something that I've adapted to prevent road rage. And if you want to go way back to like episode 28, the road rage philosopher, I kind of get into that specifically. It's way back there. Jeez, to think episode 28, it feels like yesterday, but is, is, is that's what I do is, you know, say I get cut off in traffic or something and I look at, I'll, I'll stop and you, you, you want to get it. You want to get angry at some bad driver. And then you just think. I don't know what that person is going through right now and whether they're in a rush for a good reason. Uh, and also I can't stop what just happened and there's no good way for me to convey like, Hey man, that's not cool. And so just giving that benefit of the doubt that you don't know the full story. You don't know what's going on. This person could be upset. This person could be hurting. They may not be paying attention. That's another thing, but which is, I'm not saying you're excusing it, but you're like, look, what, what am I supposed to do about this? You know? And, and, and so then just taking that moment of pause to say, Hey, maybe there's more to this story that I don't realize. And so instead of getting riled up and angry at this person, I'm going to have a moment of compassion and try and assume the very best about them. So that's, that's the first section though. And then in the second part, he, so he calls part one, he comes in and he calls you just to be radically different. And then, you know, you might say, if you're sitting there listening, you go, wow, that's really powerful. Why would I do that though? Well, he answers it in the very next section. So starting in verse 32, he goes, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend... Ex- expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the most high for he is kind and ungrateful and 
Oh, he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So first and foremost, if 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 you're paying attention, he, he follows the same formatting in how he breaks this section down, where he kind of fleshes out, like, why we're called to live differently. And it's because, guess what? You know, if you love those who love you, if you treat those well who treat you well, and if you give to those who always give back, only to those who can give back to you, you are no different than anybody else in the world. That is, that falls in line with how we instinctually act as humans. We don't, you know, nothing about those statements is crazy, but he follows that same, you know, starts out with that emotional, that spiritual. If you love those who love you, then he goes into the physical. If you do good to those who do good to you, so your actions, and then he goes into your possessions, you know, and if you lend to those who you can expect, who only to those who you can expect to be able to return it to you. And so you have that same formatting being followed. And that's obviously on purpose. Once again, attacking kind of all three aspects of self, your, your spiritual, your emotional self, your physical self. And then by extension, then your possessions, the materials, you know, your, the things that you own, all three of those parts. So he hits those big three points again. And his overall point is saying like, look, and you know, it's funny, you can read this a bazillion times, but then only when you go to study it harder for in terms of bringing, say, kind of leading the charge of, of a lesson or a group discussion, I don't know, it just fleshes out in a different way, even though it's the, it's kind of really just the same thing, you know, and here he's pointing out what, what comes naturally is like, yeah, it's easy. It's kind of like, you know, it's easy to be a Christian. It's easy to say, you know, rely on God and thank Jesus when things are going well. But when things are going hard, you know, what's the, what's the first thing to go a lot of times? You start questioning, you start doubting, you know, you, you say, God, why would you let this happen? And then you kind of throw them to the wayside. It's like, and it's that fair weather, you know, Christianity, it's kind of like a fair weather fan of a team. They only cheer for them when they're good. And when they're not good, they're like, whatever. They drop them like a bad habit. And it, And if you know me, uh, that is not how I am, particularly with the Eagles, because they have been on the struggle bus. Not to get off topic there, but and here we see that you know he says, "Hey, if you act that way, guess what? Every that's how everyone acts, and so so you're no different. And if you, you know, if you if you treat those people well, if you if you only lend to people you expect to get returned, like what what credit can you claim?" as a disciple of saying like, Hey, I'm living out, I'm living out like Christ would want me to live out. I'm, I'm bringing to the kingdom, you know, I'm doing that good because as Christians we're called to, to, to a higher standard, to go above and beyond, to, to even to stand out from that aspect, right? You're supposed to live differently and not just so much so that like, Oh yeah, I live differently, but it's supposed to show you're supposed to see that, you know, a big part of, of Christianity is, is fleshing that out. And so that people can see is that you see the grace extended to you. And then you in turn live out and extend that grace to those around you to show them to that, you know, the light of the world example. And then even to, even to step back and to maybe those people who, who, who don't believe or aren't sure what they believe and, you know, stuck with me and didn't turn this off as soon as they heard that we were going to be looking at the Bible. And, and I made that case to say like, look, this is, this is even something that our world needs, regardless of whether you, you know, believe that say, this is, this is God's word and Jesus, you know, died and rose again. You can look at this and apply this to your life. And I think it'll still, it, it, 
even so will make the world a better place. I would, you know, call, I would call on you to, to consider, you know, the gospel message that you find in the Bible, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat, uh, you know, quote unquote, because we live in a day and age where retribution has become the number one thing, you know, justice, you hear justice attached to everything, you know, two big ones, you hear social justice all the time, you know, now you're hearing things like racial justice, you're hearing things like, uh, you know, there, there, there's class justice, there's, there's, there's every group that you are a part of is seeking justice from whence they have been wronged in the past. And it's all about seeking to make things right. However, I, I, I see, you know, when, when that becomes our primary focus of like, oh, this racial group was this was wrong in this way. And so we are seeking justice. And, you know, particularly with like cop shootings and and, and killings with with uh, people with we'll just say non-white people, but primarily black, the black community, you see that come out. And a lot of times, too, where it where it where it gets, I think you so get you get so caught up in that vengeance. It You know, it only divides people and hurts people more. I'm not saying we shouldn't seek justice. I think there needs to be justice because there are injust there's injustice in this world. I'm merely stepping back and saying I feel in a lot of ways it's gotten to a point where even when the right thing happens in terms of justice for something bad that happens, let's say this, right? Let's say a cop shoots an unarmed black man and it's not a justified shooting. The, he's totally unarmed, he's totally innocent. The cop just went wild and pulled his gun and shot him. You and, and that's what comes out to be. And then let's say this cop then gets fired. Um, they do the investigation and he gets convicted, right? Of manslaughter or even, even murder. Right. And maybe even the family of the victim gets a settlement from the, that police department or that city, uh, what have you. And unfortunately that person's life has still been taken. However, by, by every standard, what you see is you see justice played out. The problem is, is before we even Two things. Before we're even allowed to get to that point, uh, you see, you see protests, violent protests that honestly devolve into riots and things like that. You, we we saw those all last summer. They they come out before before any of the facts are actually fleshed out, and that and that's problem number one, right? You just it's just blind rage at that point. You feel like it's righteous indignation, and and so we we take action, and then what sucks is. Sometimes it comes out and it's like, look, this situation was more complicated and the officer actually was not in the wrong. Um, you know, the, the person was attacking, was doing this or that. And we come to find out that it's like, okay, this was justified. Now, when it's not justified, but then say the, the, you know, the officer gets fired and then gets convicted and goes to prison. It's like justice was served, right? We, we see that played out. And I think though, when we get so caught up in this, that the, uh, uh, the injustice side of it, we've lost sight of what of even when justice is is properly served that nobody really cares and it's it's ah you you want to rage for the sake of rage so no matter what is done in terms of the retribution to the person who committed the wrong action you you don't care and then you know that's a, extended even to cancel culture right you can apologize and guess what? You're still fired. You're still ripped off your show. You're still done this, even though it was a tweet from 10 years ago when you were a teenager. There's no forgiveness now. And, and so here we seeing a call to say like, to say, stop that, you know, or, or, or pause, you know, think about those people committing wrongs. 
there's a strong chance that there's some hurt there. Those people are, are, are calling out. Right. And then even in the second part where he's saying, you know, love, love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And so it, it calls you to live radically different and say like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you even though you curse me. I'm going to forgive you even though you, uh, you know, quoting that story from earlier, even though you, you killed my, my daughter. And I'm going to call for your forgiveness because that's what you need. Because you are in such a place where you were able to commit these things that um, you need help, but not in the sense of like, that sounds bad. That sounds bad. And, and so the case that, you know, that I'm really kind of saying here is whether you really fully buy that this is God breathed or not here is I don't, I see this as a call to a small something that we can, you know, you can individually live out even part this partially, you're going to make the world better. Because like we talked about earlier, right? Someone takes your jacket, for, say they forcefully, and you offer them their shirt. Boom. All of a sudden, you've kind of flipped the tables on them. And you might, you might soften that person's heart a little bit and, and, and reconsider. And that one action goes back to saying, like, you, you, don't, you don't realize who, who is always watching and or listening in the case of a podcast right and so you don't know their situation and so that's why it's so important to take this into consideration that you don't know what you don't know and one simple action like that that is you know radically different an act of radical love grace mercy whatever whatever could could have a radical difference in that person and shift their sails you know shift the wind in their sails a little bit and, and turn them in a slightly different direction. So, and here what we see is a reference to is that like with, as Christians, our rewards that we're not seeking earthly rewards. We're not seeking recognition and we're not seeking some, you know, oh, you know, if you live right, God's going to make you rich. No, the, our rewards are in heaven, are after this life. And so it's, it's really, I, and I like to say ROI or return on investment, but at the same time I'm hesitant because I don't want it to make it seem like, oh, you're doing these good acts for that reason. Because all in all, what it points to is it points to keeping you, yourself, your heart in check and your heart in the right place so that you can remember and have, and have, you know, I think of it like a compass, right? Your compass can get off and we can get sidetracked and we get caught up in the the busyness. I mean, look at me, look at this podcast. You know how much I get caught up in stuff and tangents. We get caught up and this, this helps you maintain that, that true North. And, uh, one, one last note on this section, he says, for he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil, meaning his children, those us believers, right? Because that's what we are. We sin constantly. You know, I lie every, almost every day probably about something or I or have bad thoughts or I do this. We screw up all the time every day. And his grace is just as freely given with our first repentance as it is as our thousandth, as our ten thousandth, as, as our millionth time that we repent for something we've done. And, you know, then he follows it up by saying, be merciful even as your father is merciful. So it comes back once again to an internal reflection on yourself in your life, which is so important that you get caught up looking at other people and seeing how wrong they are. And we love to call out other people, but it's hard to look at ourself in our screw ups. It's so hard. I mean, I struggle with that all the time, right? It's easy to sit back and say, oh, that person's whack and they're not, at least I'm not doing that. And then, 
but then you have your own problems. It's kind of like the classic situation of it's easy to give advice. It's hard to take that advice and, and put that into practice. You know, how many times you see people who are great at giving that advice, horrible at living by it. I think I fall into that category right then and there. Man, I can give advice like it's nobody's business. But dadgummit, I struggle to take my own advice and, and live by it, right? Because it's easy to talk and it's hard to walk. So moving on in the final section, though, it's uh, there's actually a subtitle about judging others and judgment. So here, you know, he starts out with giving the radical commands. Here's how you need to live. And then he and then he expands on that and kind of gives the why. Because here, if if you look at how people just operate in general, you're not operating any differently. And 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 I'm I'm calling you to be radically different. And uh, because that's how our Father in Heaven is. And then finally, he he just peels it back one more layer and gets into judgment and condemnation. He says, "Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you." Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So here we see a classic, a final example where he says, he calls you to live this way. He explains, he fleshes out why you live that way because you're not doing anything special if you're just living like everybody else, right? And then he says, look, finally, if you're you're still skeptical, just understand that the, the measuring stick that you use for other people is the one that will be used for you. Like you, I think about this, right? Like the stick, the paddle you use to spank the bad kids is going to be used on you when you are bad. And so it's almost like, look, if you want to pick the, if you want to go like pick the meanest, biggest paddle with holes in it, that's made of, you know, the hardest wood and will just sting like no other. Well, I hope you're prepared to take it. I, I, what I think of is the classic example of, you know, you have someone, I think we've all known somebody who loves to dish out the banter, but God forbid you, they, you, they have banter dished out their way, right? Like they'll sit there and be, and, and you know, banter and like good banter, right? Like fun banter, like everyone understands. And then you try and throw it back and they get all defensive and butthurt. And it's like, I've been in these situations where I'm like, no, I'm kidding. They're like, or I'll, I'll send it back and they'll be like, dude, I was just kidding. And I was like, I know I was kidding too. I thought we were having fun apparently not and then you take that mental note of like okay so you can dish it out but you cannot take it right and that's what we see here is whatever you dish out be prepared to take that right back because that's the stick that's gonna be you so the ball gets put ultimately in your court how you know all all throughout this we see we see that it comes back to a self-reflection on 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 yourself in a lot of ways and the mercy that you have received and now we're seeing all right, the judgment that you put out, but the forgiveness that you put out and then the way you give, then it will be given to you. You will be forgiven. You know, you will be judged in the same way if you, if you go to judge and or condemn. And so it's, it's really, you know, on you at this point, it's not on anybody else. And there, there's no, there's no making excuses. You get to decide, you know, I think about growing up too. It's, the more freedom that I wanted in my household, my parents always told me, it's like, look, we're going to start here and you're going to have these rules. You're going to need to check in. You're going to need to be home by this time. But as you are responsible with these rules, you will get more freedom. You know, after so long, after you show us, you make these good choices, 
under these tight parameters, they will loosen up and loosen up and loosen up. And to, to the point by the time I was, you know, a senior in high school, I could go wherever and kind of do whatever I wanted because I had made good choices. It was up to me to decide how much freedom I wanted. There, there was a responsibility with that. And here we see that at the very end. We see saying, look, you, he's not saying, he's not saying necessarily, I mean, he is saying don't judge, but it's not, he's not actually coming out saying don't judge. He's, he's, he's more saying, look, if you don't judge, you won't be judged. If you don't condemn, you won't be condemned. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. And then if you, you know, if you give, you will be given too. And he, he uses the example of a, of a good measure pressed down, which is, so it's a basket of grain basically. And it's pressed down, meaning you fit as and shaken together. So it's, it's, you've, you put as much as you possibly can and it's overflowing and that will be put into your lap as you see, he lives it out. So he, he, it's really, really convicting hard message here. You know, it's, it's we're, we're called to not just live well, be a quote unquote good person. Cause how do we hear that a lot? Right. You know, you, Oh yeah, be a good person. Here is you see a call to be a radically different person. Go above and beyond. Be totally counterculture here. And I'll tell you this, even if you do this in in the small situations, you will stand out. And I think even if you even if you don't even if you aren't a believer here, if you can look at this and say like, "No, I think that's a noble way to live or a or a noble thing, whatever whatever grain of truth or advice you can take from this and say, I look at this and say, look, if people live like this, can you imagine how much better the world would be right now? Even if like a handful of people did it within your community, like, because that, that sort of thing is going to spread. It's kind of like paying it forward for, for instance, the story I'll, I'll close with it. The story that I had come to mind was I was, uh, I was in a drive through the other day and, um, this is, this is great in terms of, you know, how, what we expect versus, versus going above and beyond the call to go above and beyond here, right? Be radically different in how it stands out. Because guess what? I'm going to remember how many drive through instances have I been through my life and how many do I actually vividly remember? Maybe none. Like I can remember going to a place. I don't remember how I was feeling, how the interaction went necessarily, but this one I will remember probably for forever. And it's like, you know, they're, they're so insignificant because what happens? You go up, you order, you get your stuff and you pay and boom. And that's exactly how the world operates. That's exactly how it's expected to do. I'm wanting a good and you, um, that you have, and then I'm willing to pay you X amount for it. And we exchange and boom, we're on our way. And every, it's totally fair. It's totally even. There's nothing bad or wrong about it. But then you run into the instance where I get up to the window, they give you my stuff and, and then I have my card ready and they say, Oh, here you go. The person in front of you paid for you. And I just stopped. And my first thought was, as I see their car driving off, I go, how do I thank them? How do I even wave to them? They're probably not even, they're gone. Like they, they were turning out on the street and they're gone. And I was like, my first thing is I want I want to be able to say thank you. I'm, you know, someone does something like that for me. I want to be able to say thank you. My, and like, they don't know their name. The person in the drive-thru doesn't know who that was. It's just a random person. And people say, okay, well, Thank, thank them. I mean, thank you. That was, that was my first thing. I was awestruck. And then, but then when I started to dive into the, this lesson, I realized it was like, that's a perfect example of that, right? 
they are going above and beyond outside the realms kind of doing even though it's just like yeah it's a small thing it's paying it forward we've heard those stories where that starts and then like it goes like 40 people it goes through like 40 people in the in the drive through so sad to say i did not uh, follow up so maybe i missed an opportunity there but i'm be honest i was so like kind of just caught up and i was like i didn't even think i was like what why would they do that and you know if we if we follow any of this in this passage, I think, I think that's the kind of responses that you would be. And that's the kind of thing that we're called to. This is a small example, but on a bigger level, right? Doing something radically different, unexpected, above and beyond the standard of general goodness in the world. And if we can apply this in our lives in any way, shape or form at all, I think I think it'll make the world around us at least immediately maybe immediately around your person better because you'll do that to someone and then that will that could spread and they will they will then be thinking about that and it can totally flip a situation too where if someone is angry at you and you respond in this way or or they don't like you and you respond in this way it it could it could totally flip their mindset and they could bring them to a place where they are no longer angry at you they, they, that, that, that goes away. And then their just general state of being that way in that moment is gone. But that was Luke six twenty seven through 38, a little lesson on compassion and living radically different. That's, that's kind of my takeaway from it is, you know, loving our enemies actively, like very actively, not just saying like, Oh, he hurt my feelings. Like, I feel sorry for you that I feel compassion, but like, actively loving that person and whether whether you're a christian or not i think this is great advice but particularly if you are christian this needs to be i know for me it was a huge gut check of like am i living this way right like i've had (laughs) because it's think about it it's real hard someone walks up to you and is a jerk it can be real hard to to respond in this way you know, it's just so, especially for me, I'm loud and outspoken. It's so natural. Just kind of like I was saying, you know, put them in their place, sit them down. Don't, don't let someone talk to you like that. And, you know, I'm actually and doing that, even if I'm right in doing so, right? <laughs> like they're unpromptedly or just a jerk to me. It's like, I, you would say I'm totally within my rights, but here we see a call to be like, for doesn't even address that. Right. A call to say, no, be different, be aimed to be different dare to be different and not just in how you respond to someone, you know, emotionally or verbally upsetting, but physically and then, or with your possessions, you know, the focus here is on people and loving other people and extending that. And I think that's a message we can all get behind, but holy crap, we almost did an hour. Uh, if you stuck with me, I thank you so much. I, I hope you enjoyed this lesson. I would love to know if you would like to do more of these. Uh, I guess we'll call them, I don't know what I'm going to call them, <laughs> you know, baby devotional, scripture readings, whatever, scripture deep dives, even though I don't really like calling it a deep dive because I'm not a, like a scholar or a theologian here. I'm just some dude just reading the word here and and trying to, you know, trying to use this to maybe spread some good. So, uh, would love to know any and all your thoughts and, you know, if, if you're interested, uh, like I said earlier, I've had the idea of, you know, maybe sharing my testimony or having more people's testimonies come on here or even broader conversations about Christianity at large in the modern world. It's something that 
I think I might bring to the table, but I'd love to know you, the listener, what are your thoughts? And you can let me know at the rambling Viking at gmail.com or five, eight, Oh, seven, eight, nine, nine, two, five, eight. You can text or email the show and give me all your thoughts, your reviews. If you hated this type of episode, well then, you know, you know how I am. I label the episodes. If you don't listen to any star Wars stuff, don't listen to star Wars talks episodes. So same thing here. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great day. Hope you took something away from this. We'll see you next time.